The agreement struck in Congress earlier this week on the annual defense policy bill may have some big consequences for civilian federal employees. The bill would grant all federal employees up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave. That's a brand new benefit employee groups and some lawmakers have been fighting for for the last decade. The National Defense Authorization Act also takes a definitive stance on the Trump administration's proposed merger of the Office of Personnel Management with the General Services Administration. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now with all of the details. A lot to unpack here, Nicole. Let's start with paid leave. What exactly would feds get under this new benefit? So the leave applies to both men and women, and it grants them up to 12 weeks in a given year for the birth, adoption, or foster of a new child. They'd have access to it starting in October 2020. The benefit does not, as previous iterations of this bill had suggested, apply to medical leave. So if you, for example, have maybe a sick parent, you could have used medical leave to take care of them. Or if you yourself have a serious medical condition and need time to recover, you could have used that. But this leave doesn't apply to medical leave. It's only parental leave. And it's a separate category from the unpaid leave that federal employees currently get under the Family and Medical Leave Act. And actually, you don't need to exhaust the FMLA leave before using paid parental leave. You can just say, look, you know, I'm about to have a child. I'd like to use this paid parental leave, however much of it you want. You get up to 12 weeks. And you still have your 12 unpaid weeks. Correct. So you could go 24 weeks without losing your job, half of which would be paid. You could. I mean, there are some exceptions that that's a long time, but yeah, that is a long time. There are some exceptions of the bill details. I mean, you have to, for example, you can't just join an agency and say, well, I'm having a baby in two weeks. I want to use my 12 weeks of leave. It doesn't quite work like that. And also you have to agree in writing that after you use this leave that you'll continue to work for the agency for at least 12 more additional weeks, you know, before getting out of there. So you can't just use the leave and decide to leave. All right. So this is a big deal then. It really is a big deal. I mean, Congress has been working on this bill in some form or another for really about a decade now. I mean, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, she's now the new chairwoman of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. She's basically spent her whole career on this bill. She said she would get calls from federal employees asking how the bill was going, and oftentimes she didn't have great news to give them. Adam Smith is the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. He pushed to include this paid leave bill in the annual defense policy authorization. And as you know, Tom, that bill has passed for something like 50 years now in a row. It's really important to emphasize, even in just the, the couple of days since this has become public, I have had people come up to me and say, one, one person in particular who said that he actually left the State Department um, when he had a child because he, couldn't, he would have stayed if, if this provision had been available. That's House Armed Services Committee Chairman Adam Smith saying, look, we think this is an important recruitment and retention tool for federal employees. They would have wanted to have this this benefit to them in the past, but they haven't. And, um, you know, I think federal employee unions themselves, they really see this also as a win, frankly, in an environment where there haven't been that many wins. Sure. Randy Irwin is the national president of the National Federation of Federal Employees. If Congress gets this done, it shows that persistence pays. It shows that our government is responsive to the needs of working families. This bill is not an end-all, be-all, but is a huge step in the right direction. I'd like to thank everybody that supported it. Thank you. 
All right. So that's Randy Irwin, the national president of the National Federation of Federal Employees. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And let's move on to OPM, the proposed merger that has been the darling of the Trump administration. What exactly is Congress saying here in the NDAA and what's the importance? So this is a big deal, Tom, because this, I think, is the really the first time that Congress has taken a definitive stance on this issue. And they say, I think very clearly, no person may assign, transfer, transition, merge, or consolidate any function, responsibility, authority, service, system, or program that is assigned in law to the Office of Personnel Management. You can't move any of it to GSA, the Office of Management and Budget, or the Executive Office of the President. I would say that's pretty definitive language. It is definitive, and it doesn't rule out the possibility at all. It says you can't move any statutory function of OPM until the National Academy of Public Administration takes a look at this issue, until they take a top-to-bottom review of OPM, all of its functions, responsibilities, and then until NAPA really describes and boils all of this down in a report, they have to send it to Congress, and they must include recommendations about possible paths forward for OPM. This doesn't mean that the administration can't make future moves. I think they could potentially. That might be an outcome of this report. But the language here specifies that no OPM statutory functions can move. The administration could come in and make a case and say, look, well, you know, the Chico Council, that's not written into law. We can continue our plans to move it. I think we'll see. The history behind this language goes back really a couple months now. Federal employee groups have been really working on this. And I think the goal is to give OPM just more time and space to really figure out exactly what it should look like in the future. Terry Girton is the president of the National Academy of Public Administration. She reminded me Congress has asked NAPA to look at issues like this before at other agencies. And she says this kind of OPM review is is really what NAPA is here for. It's an indication to me that Congress trusts us to be exactly what they chartered us to be, which is a nonpartisan source of expert advice. And in this case, there is nothing simple about thinking about reorganizing OPM. And the language in the statute is very specific about the kinds of analysis that they want us to do. And so given our the deep expertise of our fellows, both former directors of OPM under Republican and Democrat administrations, are expert academics in the field of public service and civil service activities. I think we're exactly the right organization to reach out and make sure that we convene a really broad set of stakeholders, a broad set of experts, and that we do the complete review that Congress has asked us to do. I would agree with Terry Girton that the National Academy of Public Administration is the right group to look at this. What else is going on? So the other key, I think, with this particular language, and we should specify it has not passed Congress yet, the president must sign it into law, but the language asks NAPA to really bring together a group of people inside and outside government to gather feedback. And Gurdon says that she thinks this is really where NAPA can actually play a unique role. We have the ability to convene in that nonpartisan, objective way the folks who have been hard to get to the table at the same time. The the unions, the benefits folks, the OPM staff themselves, the Chicos, all of those kinds of folks will be able to engage in conversation and make sure we understand what their concerns are, what their lines in the sand are, what sort of options they see, and really give to both the OPM leadership and the congressional committees a set of options 
that will lay out the pros and cons from all the various stakeholder positions. That's Terry Girton. She's the president of Napa. And I think she makes a really important point. Unions have not always been at the table for some of these civil service conversations, either because they haven't wanted to or because maybe an administration hasn't invited them to the table. And I think this gives them a chance to be a part of the conversation about what OPM looks like in the future. And besides the unions, does would they also convene, say, some of the management groups and the other employee types of groups that may not be unions? Yes, I would say Senior Executives Association, NARF, Federal Managers Association, they are probably all going to be a part of this. The Partnership for Public Service probably as well. They're going to be part of this conversation, and the conversation is going to continue. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out her ongoing coverage of this at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.